Hollow Windows and Doors of Wisconsin's innovative hidden screen folds away when closed, keeping it clean while bringing in a ton more sun. Choose 0% financing for 72 months or a free upgrade to the hidden screen on our 250 series. Visit PellaWI.com today. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show, an abbreviated program this afternoon because of Brewers Baseball. Let us get right to it. The Attorney General of the State of Wisconsin, Josh Call, qualifies as the Captain Obvious of Wisconsin's politics does this interview yesterday and he's talking about that the horrible situation up in Juneau County where you had the retired judge John Raymer who was was killed by this psycho that uh, the judge had sentenced back in in 2005 to six years in in prison and you know we're starting to learn more about this apparently that this psycho who um, was harboring a grudge he he had they they found him with a kill list including a couple governors and Mitch McConnell from the US Senate and I I think a a candidate running for local sheriff in some Wisconsin County In, in any event um, what, what happened is he broke into the judge's home and he restrained the judge, he ended up killing him, and then ended up killing himself. So the, Josh Call, the attorney general of the state, says, well, my understanding is he was prohibited from legally possessing a firearm based on having been convicted of a felony. Okay, th- this again is, is the captain obvious of, of Wisconsin politics. Yes, the reason... The guy was taking it out on the judge was because he was convicted of a felony and he was sent to prison for six years and he harbored this grudge. Now, we don't know where he got the gun, but yes, he was obviously not allowed to carry a firearm. And I know we're having these conversations about gun control. And and candidly, if you're a regular listener of this program, you know that I think that. I think that there should be a, a reasonable ground. That is to say, you know, given the large number of firearms that are, are in private hands, you're, you're never going to be able to stop all crime. You're never going to be able to confiscate all guns. But that doesn't mean that at least you, you can't consider some reasonable alternatives. And to that extent, I, I don't see any reason at all why you don't up the limit for being able to purchase semi-automatic rifles from 18 to 21. I don't think that there's anything wrong with putting limitations on the sale of high-capacity magazines. Now, I don't acknowledge, I acknowledge that that's not going to stop crime and it's not going to stop mass shootings, but it might it might make it a little bit more difficult for some people to get it. But at the heart of this, I, you know, we, we have laws that prevent, in this case, felons from getting firearms. And we don't take that law seriously. And I think a starting point, if we want to talk about crime control, is that every time you find somebody who is a felon and they are found to be in possession of a firearm, what you need to do is you need to take discretion away from the prosecutors, you need to take discretion away from the judges, and you need to say there is a mandatory minimum sentence that needs to be applied. I don't know whether it's two years or three years or five years, but we need to get serious. If we want to start about talking about crime control and gun control related to that, can't we or why don't we all agree that a starting point is the people who have demonstrated in the past that they are not responsible enough to own a firearm, that they are criminally inclined or whatever, 
Once you have a felony, you are not allowed to possess a firearm. So why is it that we go soft on those people who, who do it? Now, I'm not suggesting, I don't know that this would have stopped this guy from you know attacking the judge as he did. But I will tell you, if you look at urban areas, let's look at Milwaukee County in general, you will see people who are routinely felons who are arrested for possession of a firearm. And that is a charge which either isn't pursued or if it's pursued, and many times it does not result in prison sentence, or it's kind of a bargaining chip. Well, you know, you did all these other things that you shouldn't have done, you know, with the gun here. We'll, we'll drop that charge. Look, this is a big deal, and we need to send a message that felons who are not legally allowed to possess guns are going to be held accountable. And I'm here to tell you that's simply not going to happen as long as you've got progressive district attorneys who don't believe in sending people to jail except as a last resort and judges who follow that same principle. Let's just make a decision and say, look, this is it. No more felons in possession of firearms. If you are a felon and we catch you with a gun, even if you're not even if you're not caught using that gun in the commission of another crime, you're going to prison because you're not supposed to have that gun. So, so yes, the attorney general is correct. The guy that, that killed the, the judge, he, he, he was prohibited from legally possessing a firearm. But that's where do you go from there? Why don't we then talk about what the next step should be about where people get these, illeg- these guns illegally and let's punish the people who are selling them their guns or giving them the guns or whatever, but also let's make a big deal. When we catch the felons who have the guns, let's send them to prison. Oh, my gosh, you're going to be incarcerating so many people. Yep, we, we are but you're also going to be making the streets safer. And isn't that a goal? Hey, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I, I've decided to wade into something because a lot of people were asking me my opinion of it. We, we, didn't had, we didn't talk about it on the air. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Uh, this June is Pride Month. And you, you had, of course, Pride Fest that was last weekend, and it was meant to it's meant to celebrate the LGBTQ you know community and, and things like that. Last night at American Family Field, the Brewers staged it was Gay Pride Night, and a lot of people, at least some people, were upset about that. I, I'm not. I mean, this is look the, the Brewers. This is in part it, it's it's marketing. What the brewers ultimately do, and I understand sometimes they're there, for example, to support, you know, social causes they relate to. But at the end of the day, the brewers are trying to put, you know, people in the seats and in the stands. And so they have special events. So you have Gay Pride Night, which maybe it's an extent of social commentary. But what really is, it's an, it's an effort to try to induce people who might not otherwise come out to the baseball game on a rainy Wednesday night to, to come out to the game. So that that's fine. The controversy was, as part of Gay Pride Night, the Brewers decided to stage a, a drag show where, and everybody knows what a drag show is. You know, it's where you have, generally speaking, it's male performers who dress up as females and they impersonate, you know, various, you know, celebrities and stuff. And I, I, Key West is one of my happy places. And I, I've, I've been to, that's, you know, in Key West, there, there's a lot of th- these drag shows that go on. And, and some of them and the entertainers can be quite, again, entertaining and they're sort of fun. So the Brewers decided to stage a drag show last night. 
And what happened is it was originally supposed to be in that beer garden that's behind the, the restaurant, but because of the bad weather, it got moved to a conference room, and they had a couple dozen people. So it really was not very well attended, and almost all of the people who made the decision to go to the ball game also made the decision that they weren't going to attend this. People were saying, well, what, did, what do you think about it? And I guess my comments were reflected on what I said on, on Twitter, which is, I guess I think it was a somewhat odd marketing choice, but I really don't understand the angst over the Brewers' decision to stage this drag show, which, like I say, was ultimately attended by a couple dozen people as part of their gay pride night. Because I guess my attitude on all this is, if it's not your cup of tea, just simply don't go. And, and that's what happened last night. Almost nobody went, a couple dozen people. So the, you know, people just kind of made that decision. I, I don't understand why folks were so worked up about this. It's just like, all right, if, if you don't like this, don't go. If you don't like what the guy on the radio is saying, well, just, just turn the dial or turn the radio off. If you don't like a particular television program because... Well, it's too conservative for you, or you don't like what you're hearing, or it's too liberal for you. Just, just turn the dial. You know, see, this to me is just an extension of, of the whole concept of the cancel culture. It's like, well, we don't like something, so what we're going to do is we don't think other people should be able to, to see it, or hear it, or, or whatever. And my response is just, just no. I mean, if you don't, if you don't like something, nobody is forcing you to go. If you don't want to hear something, nobody is forcing you to listen. If you don't want to see something, nobody is forcing you to watch. Just kind of let it go. And generally speaking, the free market takes care of itself. You know, given the poor attendance, I doubt that next year you're going to have a drag show as part of a gay pride night. But if you do, that that's, that's fine. If the brewers decide that they want to do it, that's fine. And if you don't want to go, don't go. That's just great. If you don't like what you hear on the radio, that's fine fine instead of saying well we need to cancel that person just just don't listen that's pretty simple and if you want to see the link to the story it's at wag jeff it's at jeff wagner 620 if you follow me on twitter the investigation is complete and this thursday that would be tonight the american people will hear the results please join wtmj on thursday at seven as the house select committee investigating the january 6th attack at the capitol will go public with its finance of findings findings in a prime time hearing the full hearing live this thursday at seven on news radio wtmj let us talk about that for for a moment what what is going on here now if you are a regular listener of this program you know that I kind of separate from at least some conservative orthodoxy in that I do not think that the 2020 election was stolen in any generally accepted sense of of the term. And I've explained what I mean by that. But I I think there's no question that, that Joe Biden, in my mind, got more valid votes than Donald Trump got. So period. Secondly, there is no question in my mind that Donald Trump, after the election, refused to accept the results of the election and and got into bed, figuratively speaking, with all sorts of these conspiracy theorists, the, the Rudy Giuliani's of the world, how disappointing he's become, and, and a number of others to try to pursue every sort of harebrained scheme imaginable to get him to stay in office. And I, I think that that was appalling. I think, you know, Trump's behavior after the election, where instead of, for example, camp, trying to campaign to get Republicans elected in Georgia, he was more obsessed with, I don't know, trying to criticize Republicans for not 
adopting his various theories. I thought that was unforgivable. I thought it was bad for democracy. It was bad for the Republican Party. And I believe, in addition, that the constant calls for, hey, we need to fight this, this is unjust, I think it served to help radicalize some people on the fringe and that's what I think contributed in a large measure to January 6th. So I think that there was this huge conspiracy out there to overthrow the government. No, I, I don't believe that. I think what happened is you had a bunch of yahoos who were fired up by the rhetoric of the president and some of the, the election was stolen sort of stuff. And they were encouraged to, again, storm the Capitol, which was appalling. And the people who were responsible for that deserve to be prosecuted for the fullest extent of the law. I mean, having said that. What I think is going to happen tonight is, is it's I don't know that you're going to plow any new ground on this. What you're going to see is political theater. You've got Democrats who recognize that things are not going well for them in the polls, that people are concerned about inflation and gas prices and issues at the border and all these various things. You've got a president whose approval ratings are mired in the low 30s and the um in the high 30s or the low 40s, and they make no secret about it. They're trying to change the narrative. There's a piece in the New York Times from two days ago saying that's that's what the Democrats hope to do. They want to get people focused less on the pocketbook and more on we should be angry at what happened on January 6th. Well, to, to me, I think that that's an unsuccessful sort of thing. This is going to be, I predict, a very, very well-packaged um, where you're going to have video presentations and stuff. It is not going to make Donald Trump look good, would be my guess. It's certainly going to not make some of the yahoos who, whether they were acting at what they thought Trump wanted to do or acting out of their own sort of, I don't know, sense of, gee, this this election has been stolen. It's going to make them look bad. I don't know that there's going to be any new laws that come out of this. I don't know that there's going to be any sort of major revelations. To me, this, this is all about political theater. I think it's probably worth watching, just like the Watergate hearings were worth, worth watching in 1974, because it's a sense of history. Is it going to move the needle in any sort of meaningful way? Will it cause people who otherwise, gee, were supporting... Uh, weren't supporting Joe Biden to suddenly say, oh, gosh, now I don't care about $6 and a gallon gasoline and I don't care about 8% inflation and I don't care about the baby food shortages and I don't care about this and that to suddenly say, well, no, I, I think I think I approve of the job Joe Biden's doing. No, it, it it's not. Will it be interesting theater that's worth listening to or watching? Probably, but let's not misunderstand. At, the, at its heart, it is political theater as much as anything else. So very glad to have you with us. Well, it is interesting, and one of my things, I don't think anything that comes out tonight is going to change anybody's opinion. Uh, and I'll just to give you an idea, I'm getting texts from people on both sides of the issue. So are we supposed to move on from the 2020 election being stolen? Um, so, okay, there's still people. It is still stolen. We're never going to be convinced about that. And then a text, Jeff, don't, how, how dare you say that we, we shouldn't pay attention to this? Don't you realize how close we were to having the end of the republic? To which I'm thinking, okay, the, the end of the republic, no. You, you had yahoos that stormed into the Capitol. It was an embarrassment. It was a criminal activity. Nobody that was involved in storming the Capitol, and certainly I don't think people that were in the White House at the time, covered themselves with any sense of glory and probably have some accountability. But the end of the republic, 
Oh, for goodness sakes. I mean, no, we weren't close to seeing the Republic end. That's the reality. No, if you think that you're still obsessed about 2020 and the election being stolen and all we need to find is 13,000 votes in Georgia and 21,000 votes in Wisconsin, no, you need to move on from that as well. But I think that's where the vast majority of people are. But I understand that there are people on, on both ends of the spectrum who just are refusing to accept that, and they will be grumbling or will be applauding as they... I guess watch the show or listen to it tonight. Once again, um, if you want to hear it, we're going to be broadcasting it starting at 7 o'clock on WTMJ. Well, the word is not getting out on car crashes and police chases. Here's the latest story. One person taken into custody Thursday morning, 2.15 a.m., near Beckett and Cortland. What happened is you had the police, again, found somebody driving recklessly. They began to pursue there was a crash. The vehicle that they were, the person who was running was driving was, wait for it, stolen. And it then ended after the fleeing driver crashed into a garage. Don't know the age of the particular driver. But for everybody who's trying to stop reckless driving and trying to encourage people not to run, the message is not getting out.